You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, we are back once again. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here on Soonerscoop.com Airwaves. We're welcoming the whole game. Eddie, just back from uh, the airport, actually. Like, Pre- yeah, just back. Appreciate you uh, just running down for the pod. No problem. I was, able to, I was able to go home real quick, so I kind of got in. We got here early, so it wasn't too bad. We've been at the uh, five-star. Well, Bob hasn't, uh, but the true. rest of us have been at the five-star uh, challenge in Atlanta. I was actually there for the convention, then I had to race back home. So Eddie and, and Josh have been there the last two days uh, with Media Day and then the, the five-star challenge yesterday. First off, uh, any any, I guess we should get travel grievances out of the way first. I don't think there was. I didn't really have any problems. It was another successful airport trip where I didn't have to. Uh, I mean, there's got to be a I lot didn't of have people to put up with anything really. There's got to be a lot of people listening to our podcast that travel on a pretty frequent basis. Now that because I've now met that I say that people I, in the airport, yeah, I just completely forgot about that. I went out with uh, leaving Oklahoma City to fly to Houston. That was my connecting flight uh, on Sunday afternoon. Ran into a. A loyal podcast listener and his wife and his family. So I'll they give were, a shout out. They to, were nice folks. Give a shout out to Lance Wheeler, who uh, I met in the uh, St. Louis airport during my three hour delay. <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm not kidding. Weather three hour delay. Yeah, you had a that Sunday night was you've got was, the grievances. Uh, so he Lance came up and it, it is really weird, guys. Like we all get this now. I think we're more famous for the pod than we are for anything else. It's like people that's the first thing they say is I love the podcast. Like there's a lot of listeners. And and Lance is like a long time scooper too. So, uh, but he told me that, uh, he lets his young son listen in Uh the car under one condition that he won't tell mom. It's perfect. Uh, that's the way way we want it. It's guys club. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And I, he was like, fine. He's like, you know, you don't have to apologize to me. He's like, it's, it's fine. It's like, the only thing I'll say is that my son, Looks up at Eddie. Looks up toward Eddie like as a hero, and he oh, wants no. to be Eddie. Like, Beautiful. <laughs> oh no! That's exactly what he needs oh, to be doing. No. And then I said, Lance, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. And you could tell he wasn't like he he was. It was like an admission of guilt. Like it was almost like yes, I committed the murder. I I like completely he had that look of, of just. On his face, that look of I failed as a father. The guy, uh, the guy that I sat next to, uh, he told me that basically, I, I basically apologized to his wife. I told her that I'd clean up my language, <laughs> and she said, uh, "Yeah, I, sometimes I just can't listen." And I said, "Well, my mom doesn't either, so it it must be uh, it must be a motherly thing." I think what we I think we need yeah, it is very much a mother thing. I think maybe we just need to save it up, like you know, make them count. 
Because you will just, you'll try and just bury an F-bomb somewhat when you know I'm not paying attention. This is going to, to be a high school recruiting podcast only, so we will uh, we'll keep the language we to a minimum. We want the Vandegrifts to be able to listen today. I think they will. Uh, I will say this. I was very proud. Uh, Lincoln Riley actually liked a Sooner Scoop tweet, which doesn't, he doesn't like outside media stuff. It's not national very often. This is true. I Which actually, one was it? Was I actually, it the, one. It was the Vandegrift and the pictures of Josh's and, okay. and him winning the seven on winning seven. The seven mm-hmm. on and he was the only quarterback, which made it that much more. Because his Ohio impressive. State commitment teammate had shoulder issues, I guess, right? I, I've got to hope because if not, I, I kind of always thought, oh, you might get involved with that guy. Watching him for a day, I was like, oh, I, I kind of get why they didn't. So maybe he had some shoulder issues, and that explains it. But uh, I, I think his team was much better off with Brock taking every snap. And, you know, from just following it, it, it sounded like he, he did kind of get off to a slow start and then just kind of – and as it was told to us, like, he doesn't play seven on seven. He doesn't do this stuff. I, I spoke to his father after the camp yesterday, and, you know, and he was – He's a very honest, you know, he's a coach. Like, he, he can see it for what it is, and Brock was bad in that first game. I mean, he just, there's no other way to put it. He His first five throws, the best one ended up an interception. I mean, that, that's, that's a fact. And then all of a sudden, the last drive, the game was over, there was no way they could come back, and he just starts throwing darts. I mean, all of a sudden, it was like it all came together. He figured it out. He figured out the receivers he wanted to go to, and, you know, from there, they never lost again, and then came back and beat that team that beat them in the first round. So they were they were real shaky. I mean, I think the biggest thing, and Eddie was there too. You could hear his teammates. He had a. This was Rob Cassidy's team, so it's full of South Florida guys who they, they were the shit, most energetic group. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they're doing backflips. They're all over the place, and Brock's just captain even keel, like just nothing. But like, there's guys. On the defense, they're like, put me in play quarterback. This is this is a joke, man. We we can't have this. Like oh, they were, man. I mean, and, and they're like four feet away from yeah. the kid. They yeah. they did not care, but he got it together. And I mean, his receiver ended up winning position MVP. I I was a little surprised that Brock didn't win quarterback MVP, but you know, it, I think he was better at his best than anybody there. But at the same time, his lows were lower than Harrison Bailey's. Okay, I, I'm glad that I wasn't just being an over huge homer because I got the camera back out like at the very end after the seven on seven stuff. No, to uh, I thought that there was probably a chance like after the seven on seven stuff that I kind of figured that Vandergriff was going to be the uh, in MVP for the quarterback. So I wanted to get him going up to the yeah. uh, stage or whatever, and they obviously went the other way. But uh, Vandergriff in those last couple games in the semifinals and then the finals. Uh, I mean, we'll have the highlights up probably this afternoon. I would say within the next couple hours, uh, he is unbelievable. I mean, some of the throws that he makes are just like it. it it's hard to imagine him just going into his junior season the way that he carries himself. And and Josh, you're right. It's like he was with the wildest, most rambunctious group of guys, and you know they're going crazy. They're all doing flips after the seven on seven that's always fun. like just the most ridiculous athletes that you've seen and he's just kind of like flip full twist i saw yeah I mean, he's just, just kind of like and it's just like they're not even trying either <laughs> and he just kind of like yeah all right whatever 
No, a linebacker that's committed to Florida. I saw him do a double. Like, he did a double with, like, a twist in the air. And I'm like, holy crap. These guys could be, like, gymnasts at Oklahoma. They are – it's not just like, oh, they do a little something. They, they're they all over the place with this crap. Uh, now, I want to uh, – Eddie, I heard a rumor that before they announced the quarterback MVP, Harrison Bailey had already taken off his shirt like he didn't think he was going to win the thing. Mm, I – if he, if that happened, I didn't notice it. I watched the okay. live, I was standing in I watched, the back. I watched the live stream, and they had I don't know who was filming it, uh, but they were up at the front, and he mm-hmm. did have to grab his shirt. Like did they he? had to tell him, "Hey, get your shirt, put it back on." Okay, but yeah. he, that I'm wasn't sure was uncommon. Trade. There was that wasn't uncommon. Most people had to put their shirts back on. And Harrison Bailey, okay. I mean Harrison okay. Bailey is a good quarterback. He can oh absolutely can throw it. Oh, and and he's got a reputation as a big time seven on seven guy. So this was right down his alley. And I thought, from what I saw, I mean, you guys tell me if I, I mean, I just sat in front of my computer yesterday and watched. I might as well have been there. Uh, all the live streams, the periscopes, and all that. But it seemed to me, Josh, like the biggest moment of the day for Bryce Young was probably the skills competition because he won that. Uh, and then it just seemed like everything after that was all Vandegrift as far as just, impre- you know, positive impressions. And I would think that the only reason that Young won that was because he hit the two targets on that, scored, first, yeah. on that first, exactly. uh, yeah. first, yep. first round or first level, I guess. And, you know, I'm the one that sh- that's put out that video, you know, just straight to Twitter uh, of that event of Brock going. And I thought at least twice that he'd gone in and then it looked like it just i mean it was so close it would just bounce out and that was the case for a couple of guys so it's not like it was just brought but that thing was really hard to hit and as soon as bryce hit it that competition was over like there, there was just no because he was getting points no one else got and bryce is an accurate guy it was just going to work yeah, out yeah. but um you know the the funny thing was I, I saw some people like well the um on the arm challenge, Harrison only threw it like 51 or, or not Harrison, Brock only threw it like 51 or something. He had a bad throw. Like, I, I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it, but like, I'm watching that guy and Eddie can attest. You watch him throw the ball. There was nobody at that camp that had a better arm than he did. Like, I mean, like that ball comes out of his hand and it's, it's on a rope. I think some of the cooler video that we'll be able to put up is some of the seven on seven stuff just from. From behind him, and I think you retweeted something from one of the rivals guys that put it, it out. Was Brian Moore, yeah, somebody, and you could, but you can just tell like the velocity that it comes off of his hand, and the almost kind of the ease that he. It doesn't look like he's throwing the ball hard, and then all of a sudden it just zooms it's, out. You know, in baseball they 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 call it a live fastball mm-hmm. um, when it just. Like when you're standing at the plate, it literally the ball gets smaller as mm-hmm. it comes to you. Like that, he has a live arm. Like it, the ball. It, it it he's got the same motion as everybody else, but that ball just has some extra juice when it comes off his fingertips. Am I mis- hey. Am I just making this up, Josh? Or is he a pretty damn good baseball player, Vandergriff? I don't. Have you ever know heard that? Of any, but no, I don't okay. know. But now maybe like, I'm just making that up. Then he's got all that. Like he looks like a baseball player. I would totally believe it, but I don't know of that. the The thing I'll say, he made two throws yesterday that like. I literally could have seen nothing else from him and I'd have been like he's he's a he's a beast. I mean like there was there was one up the middle and I've talked about it a lot. It was just down the seam and he drops it. I mean like and I say drops it, it sounded like there was a bunch of air. I mean it was again it was just a seed right down the middle and 
just over Justin Flo's hands and right in front of the safety. I don't think anybody else there would have even tried to make the throw. And he drops in there, receiver catches it easy. They, you know, they go down, they end up scoring on the drive. A little later though, he hit one that was literally, it looks like one of those like shitty football movies where the, the, the quarterback makes the throw and he's falling down and there's no way the ball could fit through that spice. And Rob Cassidy and I are sitting there looking at it. We're like, there's no way he made that throw because it was in front of the corner. The safety's coming in from in- inside. The linebacker's dropping. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It looked like a baseball couldn't have fit through this window. And he finds uh, that Rosemi kid from St. Thomas Aquinas that was the, re- the receiver MVP. And I, like I said, that was kind of like the Baker Mayfield throws against TCU that I like. It's what I remember when I think of Baker. I don't know. I'm going to go see Brock this year in the season. I'm going to go see him next year during the season. I'll see him at camps. If he makes a better throw than that, I'll be stunned. It was, I can't put it to words how impressive it was. Well, I think the other thing that's impressive is that's the, the first time he's been with that level of competition. And it, it, it he seemed to, to not, he didn't fall below anybody. He seemed to raise his own level a little bit because he's not playing, nobody's, none of these quarterbacks are playing with guys like that in high school. Oh, no, especially not him. Yeah. I mean, he plays like private some private school, schools. Yeah. yeah, like, so there's not a lot of that where he, you know, as to where like Harrison Bailey's at Marietta where they've got all kinds of dudes and there's a bunch of good athletes out there and that kind of stuff. He's, ne- I mean, it's Brock and a bunch of guys that the the four of us grew up with. You oh, know, I saw a bunch the, of good high school players. I saw the heavily graded commitment video in his team. That wasn't yeah. exactly a bunch of world beaters. Yeah, no, there, there weren't a lot of guys. It, it wasn't about run after the catch. So, okay, let me translate what they're trying to say. <laughs> a bunch of white rich kids, probably. I mean, <laughs> Prince Avenue Christian. That let's let's be honest, or Prince Christian Avenue, whatever the hell they call it. Yeah. Eddie, during the Greg Vandegrift interview, I don't know if it was obvious, and I know we haven't run this for everybody, but you're going to hear this podcast, and then we'll run this interview later in the week, and you can laugh at me. I couldn't remember the name of the school, so I just skipped it. I was like, (laughs) Prince Avenue, Avenue. I'm going to mess it up. I'm not going to say it. So I just like went right past it since we, you know, for those that don't know, we talked to his dad, uh, during check-in and it was a really great interview kind of talking about the, you know, being dad, being coach, how you balance that, you know, how he kind of engaged with Lincoln Riley through those two roles. And that, uh, it, it was a good interview. I think people will like it. Yeah. I, I really enjoy talking to his dad. And, uh, obviously I think, uh, we'll have Bryce Foster, Chad Simmons, uh, talking about Vandergriff, Chad, obviously the guy that, uh, has been kind of the the go-to guy on everything Brock Vandergriff uh, and probably will be for the next two years. And then uh, Jacoby Covington as well. Uh, those interviews are yet to run, but uh, we will get those up probably, I would imagine, today. I just want to say, uh, Bryce Foster, there's never been a guy... Like, I'm not, I'm not here to root uh, for OU to sign anyone, but I really wanted him to come to OU because he just looks like a maniac. Like I, he looks like Ben Powers 2.0 to me. He he, I mean, his has, he has a lot of massive. Ben Powers to him. He won the bench press. Yeah. Uh, what was it? I think it was like 26, 26, 26. 25. Yeah. Kid going into his junior year of high school. Yeah, I mean that's insane. He is a just a bowling ball of a person, though. I don't even know if bowling balls are right. I mean, he's just bigger than that. Everything's big about he's that just guy. a he's a huge, massive kid. Plus, but, uh, I think it takes some of the pressure off of me because a lot of people are making Josh McQuiston comparisons. They are. Which is, <laughs> I, I saw that, and 
I, I guess I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I mean, I'm like, okay, I've got facial hair. I've got a big head. <laughs> Bryce and I both have big heads. I'll totally own that one. You were big but headed white that, guys, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know about it other than that. Um, I, I will say, though, we're going to have to uh, do a little bit of editing in his interview uh, because he said he's coming up to watch Oklahoma play Army this next season. Army? Uh, <laughs> Army not not coming he's to Norman anytime soon. watching a video soon. from last year, all right? Not coming anytime soon. Yeah, I was not skilled enough to play that cool. Like, I look at Eddie and I'm like, wait, are they playing? Like, what? Uh, they're like, playing in New York City in 2020 or at West Point. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember that being a two for one deal. No, it was. Uh, I'd say overall, though, Josh. I mean, it was. Uh, we've been to what six of these now? Seven of these. That was from just a from the first from top to bottom. That group was. I don't know if there's. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's like a Joe Mixon in that group, or if there's just like the top tier level talent, but. I mean, when you have a guy like Keely Ringo running a four three six three, that was ridiculous, or whatever, and basically doing it after falling out of bed. Uh, I mean, he is a an absolute freak. That I thought that linebacker group was incredible uh, between uh, Flo and uh, that that what, who was on that team with him. It was uh, Noah Sewell, yes, and Philip Webb. Yeah, Philip Webb, team. just ridiculous. So I got it, you know, and everybody's heard me tell flow stories, but my favorite one I've seen or I saw this week. So we're there and uh, he's it's like real. it's the first snap of the game against Vandegrift's team. So I'm watching him and flow walks up to the running back. He's like, I'm about to kick your ass. Like, I mean, like, and he says it in seven on seven. And you're like, oh, my, this guy is wired. He was and last so year. He, so he and Sewell. Literally, the running back shoots out like just to go, he's going to go out in the flat and be like a safety blanket for Brock. Sewell and Flo run him out of bounds. Like literally, are they? They don't even follow anything else in the play. They just track this poor running back. And the, one of the teammates comes up and is like, "What just happened?" Man, he's like, "I don't know, but I was scared." <laughs> I was scared. I was scared for him. Well, and I mean, uh, Flo's got a reputation after last year, after taking out Zach. I mean, Zach Evans. Eddie, I don't know about you. I thought he walked a better line this year. Like, no, he was he a little more, little like, I mean, don't get me wrong. He was intense and he was getting after it, but he was more like having fun with it. Like, yeah, it wasn't, he, you know, he was smiling, which yeah. I didn't, I didn't know if the kid could do that. And he was dancing and stuff. I, he loves inflicting pain. This that is guy, fun for him. I mean, he's. I don't care if he's short or whatever people say, but I mean that guy is going to be an animal. Hey Josh, I, the, I know Rivals put up the video, but it's the the cat and mouse and Justin Flo requested to go against somebody and just destroyed him. Do you have any clue who that was? Was it the only guy that I could think he would call out just out of pure interest would have been Bijan because he knows Bijan. Um, it, like Bijan wears like a, it's almost like a top knot in the back of his hair. So if I, I haven't seen the video you're talking about, but if that, if the dude was like that, then it, it could have been, um, cause they know each other a little bit. I, I want to say the scary reality that came out of this, um, out of combined or the check-in day for me, it sounds like Justin Flo is going to go to Clemson. Whoa. That, that class is just stupid. Brzee, Flo. Brzee, uh, that guy, I mean, if he can just buy into moving inside, which uh, the defensive line coach basically spent the entire one-on-one -on -one session telling him you need to move inside because that's where you're going to play for the rest of your life. 
that yep. guy is going to be an animal. And the second he moved inside, oh my god, was he that was it? the only guy? He went against Foster. Yes. He got Foster. Oh yep. my god, that I mean that that punch that literally would have killed me. <laughs> it would have killed me. I mean, it he hit like Foster in the chest hard enough. Like Foster went back. Like I mean, and Bryce Foster's doing two twenty five, twenty six times. That's a that's a sturdy dude. I think Rivals put up that video too. Yeah, it was. Yep. No joke. It's impressive. Now, at it defensive end, he didn't do anything. He 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 didn't look special. He we were like, what's he doing as a five star? Soon as he slid inside, like at a three tech, game over. What's crazy is he flipped over and was playing like a little bit of tight end uh, for the during the seven on seven portion. I mean, that just shows you what kind of athlete he is. He moves extremely well. Well, and he had the look of kind of like. I, there, I mean, I, we all know it. There are people, whether they're kids, whether they're adults, you see them, you're like, you're kind of a shithead. You look kind of like a shithead to me. I don't think I'm going to like you. And he kind of gave me that. But watching him yesterday, that dude was, he like went and helped with the team at tight end because the other tight end got hurt and didn't want to play. He just went out to help him out. Then while, like, while he's doing that, he's also doing the big man challenge tug of war thing with his red team. And he's real into the competition. Like he's having a blast. His team won. Like it was a whole thing. And like, I was like, I like you more than I thought I did. Like I kind of thought you were a diva, but. No, he's a good dude, just likes playing football. So. Yeah, if, if he was a baseball player, he'd be a dirtbag. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, DBs, let's let's hit there a little bit. Really, I mean, it was what's interesting, or kind of what I've taken out of this initially after yesterday is uh, all the, the OU guys that, that are prospects from 2021 all seem to look pretty good. Um, what's what's kind of stood out to you about twenty twenty guys that were there? I, I think targets. definitely uh, Bryson Washington. That I, I thought he had a really good day. You know, he tweeted out something when um, I think Sam Spiegelman tweeted out that he'd run a four five five, and he was like, "I tripped or something." I'm like, "Dude, four uh, that's not your coach handheld four five five. That's an electric measuring you every ten yards. For, uh, that's a great forty time for a." 200 pound safety like it, it to me if he'd have run 462 i'd have been like that's fine that's no problem at all when he ran 455 i was like that dude can go um and he looked great i mean i sent out a video of him breaking up a pass from vandegrift in that very first game his team was the one that played vandegrift's in the finals um he you know he was there i don't know if you want to say starting safety whatever you want to say he was out there he was communicating like i I liked a lot of what I saw of Bryson Washington. I think there's a lot of physical tools there, but I also like how he handles himself. Like he he has some leadership qualities that I think uh, Oklahoma will like if they can find a way to land him. Yeah, he was he was the guy, and I I can't say that I know everything to, that goes into uh, the strategy of seven on seven, but he was the guy that was getting his group together. You know, kind of emphasizing that they need to talk more they need to communicate more and that's just guys that basically they're thrown together with uh you know over the day over the course of the day to play a seven on seven so um i i definitely can see what you're talking about we'll have a little bit of video of that as well um you know uh, now josh eaton is the other one the, the other yeah. primary in 2020 he played a lot of receiver really it was only when his team got in a tight situation where he would move and play some corner just to help out. But I think they were low on numbers on offense. We had, 
I would. What would you say, Eddie? About fifteen guys that after they came out from that kind of late lunch, early dinner, um, that were like, "Oh yeah, my ankle hurts. Oh, yeah. I'm good." You know, <laughs> I, like nobody was that interested in seven on seven. I think they wanted to do one on one against the guys and see where they were. But after that was over, I think a lot of them were like, "I'm good. I, I, I'm I'm set here." Um, but no, I, I thought Eaton. He's, I mean, he's what you think he is. He's long. He's athletic. When, when guys tried to turn and go vertical with him, he's more than capable of handling that. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's no, it's not hard to see why Oklahoma and A&M and a few others really, really covet him right now. Absolutely. Uh, just real quick, uh, I, I guess we can just jump right back to uh, offensive line real quick. But, I mean, the guy that won the MVP was A.J. Parks, and that's kind of, for me, I would say it was from an Oklahoma standpoint, probably a top three story out of Atlanta was uh, kind of his emergence in the offensive line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he and Anton Harrison both. I mean, I had, um, you know, and a lot of credit goes uh, again to our national guys. I, I try to make a point of this so everybody realizes. Adam Friedman, I, I, I wasn't planning to interview either one of those guys. And Adam Friedman, our mid-Atlantic guy, brings him over. He's like, you need to talk to this guy. Oh, he's got OU in his top group, top two, whatever. Um, and he's wanting to take an official visit. He loves Bedenboe, all this stuff. And so I get to talk into Parks. And I knew the name, but I didn't know much about him. And I get to look, and I'm like, he's the number 67 guy in the country. And he's talking like, you know, if – Oh, you just kind of gives me a longer look. I'm in, you know, I'm interested, you know, and you're like, wow, that's, it's just amazing where Bill Biedenboe has taken offensive line recruiting. Um, and we'll, we'll get into some of that in a little bit, I'm sure. But, um, dun, dun, dun. With, yeah, yeah. With, with Parks, I mean, I think with both Parks and Harrison, you're looking at guys who are, you know, they may get caught up in the numbers game a little bit, kind of depending on how some things play out. But if not, I mean, Oklahoma is in very good shape with both of those guys. Could land either one of them, um, you know, maybe even both, if, if that's what, you know, numbers say is available. And uh, are guys that nobody's even really talking about with OU right now. So it just, like I said, I, I thought they were both big stories. I thought Parks was really good. I I can see what OU, especially Beanbow, likes in Parks, because like we've talked about for so long, he loves guys that, oh, I could try him at tackle. I could try him at guard. He even played some center yesterday. I mean, he did a little bit of everything. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty clear Bill Biedenboe likes those guys that have that kind of versatility. Yeah, and if anything, I think that you can definitely take out of this weekend was kind of what Marcus Doomerville told us in the fact that uh, there's starting to become a, I, I guess, not an aura, but like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's almost like a, like a QB one for the offensive line. Yeah, well, or like a. I don't even know what I'm about. Beat him though? Are you trying to yeah, say Yeah, like offensive Beedenbo? line. Yeah. Um, Just like he's becoming the. Yeah. The, the online be- whisperer or something. Right. Yeah. He's becoming the guy if. If you really want to. Uh, kind of what I think Oklahoma fans would say they've known for, you know, I guess the last couple of years, but more nationally is uh, the fact that if you want to be a really good offensive lineman, Oklahoma's automatically in that. Kind of like if you, want to, if you want to be the best linebacker, yeah. you go to Alabama. Right. Or quarterback. But you say nationally that you're starting to feel that. You're starting to feel that more and more with offensive line guys. Yeah. You talk to them, and Oklahoma's one of the first names that comes up. And I guess that's probably obvious because of what they were able to do in the this most recent draft and getting four guys drafted. All right, Josh, I know, you know, on the Crimson Corner, you had the live thread going yesterday, and... Uh, 
you mentioned that uh, Doomerville, the offensive lineman you were talking about, uh, wasn't exactly just out, you know, a standout. Did, did what? What did you kind of think of his his day at, at the five star? You know, some of the some of the times, and I should really make more note of this when I kind of write these things. I think sometimes I'm almost a victim of almost what I expect a kid to be versus what they are. And sometimes I get excited because a guy's more than I thought he was going to be. And then with Doomerville, like he's a guy I love on tape. Like I, I really think he has a lot of potential. And he plays um, a high if, level of, of high school football too. Absolutely. At St. Thomas Aquinas. I mean, they're just, you know, you go Michael Irvin, you run down the list. They've got a lot of ex NFL guys from that program. Um, and I, you know, and obviously, you know, guys like Jaden Davis. I mean, Oklahoma's got some connection with the program right now. So, I, I really thought that he would come in and be one of those guys that I think I thought maybe more of the rivals guys would be like, oh, he's better than we thought he was, that kind of thing. And I think in the end, he was probably a little worse than I thought he was. And it's not from a talent standpoint because Eddie can tell you he is six foot six. He is long arm, long legged. He can move his feet like. He's got a lot of just the basic things you need, but I was very surprised to see a guy from St. Thomas Aquinas that was that raw. Like he, you know, if if he would if he would meet a defensive end at the corner and they countered back inside, he had no understanding of how to deal with it. Like there was no, you know, if if they could get around his first stop, it, he didn't have any way to to counter so i i like i said i think i still think he's a very talented guy um i still think if oklahoma can find a way to take five offensive linemen he's a guy they should push for but i get it a little bit more now why there's not quite as much certainty that oh he has to be a take it it i, I remember we were talking about that right after the oldl one-on-one stuff is just the fact that he is pretty raw but like you said josh everything that uh, he has half the battle won, and that is his God-given size and ability to move at that uh, that size. So, I mean, the the tools are there. It's just about uh, kind of using them more. Uh, no, I think that's exactly it. I mean, and you see this all the time, especially with big guys, and it's and that's why I think offensive line, other than quarterback, is one of the toughest positions to evaluate because you never know how guys are going to react once – competition becomes more solid you know I mean, he there's probably only a handful of times he has faced that many guys of that caliber um and that's even considering he plays in florida at a mega program that plays all times of all types of big great you know teams from all over the country he's still you uh, it, it's hard for offensive linemen or defensive linemen to face guys of similar skill sets because it's very hard to find guys that are that big that's why linemen are so valued because there's only so many of them i'd even say that i was a little surprised he maybe still has a little bit maturing to do physically i, I and i'm not saying that he looks like a baby or anything but uh you know some guys you see out there and it's He's like not cut that's yeah. a that's a man right there he has made the turn and i think that doomerville is probably on the other side of that right now as far as like you think if Brian five years from now that guy's gonna be a if if Bryce if Bryce Foster like got his body weight down to like three percent, it'd be nothing but muscle showing probably. I mean, uh, whereas Doomerville looks like the kind of guy if if he got that down, he would probably lose like forty pounds because he just doesn't have a ton of muscle built up. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Doomerville is 
he looks like a power forward right now. Like, I mean, he's yeah. not, he's got a little belly on him, but like his legs aren't particularly huge. His, his arms aren't real, you know. And again, I was talking to Eddie about that and we were talking about it kind of from the point of view of how raw he is as a player, but it's also true in like strength and conditioning. We're so close to Texas that it skews us sometimes. Like we think everybody is like Allen or North Shore or all these mega programs that have legitimate dedicated strength and conditioning coaches that all they do is work those kids out in the off season and during their down times st thomas aquinas i don't know that they have a thing like that because florida it's just not the same thing like the, the coaching the even at a place like sta it's not as college-like as a lot of the texas and even like the jinx and unions and broken arrows of the world so josh uh Coming out of this, who's maybe one guy you feel better about? Maybe one guy that you're not as sold on in terms of where to sooner stand. I I don't think there's any question. Um, Bryson Washington, I, I feel really good about where OU is. Just talking to him, and I know some people saw the interview, and you know, mentioned his mom, you know, saying hook him and all that kind of stuff. That's you know, that's the stuff that can trick you sometimes. I'm not you know, I'm not going to say too much, but I. I feel good about where OU is there. I think they've done a lot of work. He's got a really good relationship with uh, Alex Grinch. Um, I think really Washington's a guy you'll look back on and say that that you know if if this happens the way Josh thinks it will, I think it's Grinch's first big win in recruiting. Now I will also say it ain't over. I don't care if he picks Texas. I don't care if he picks Oklahoma. I don't think anyone should feel 100% about Bryson Washington until he signs. There, He is, you can tell, like, I, I think Oklahoma's in front. I think you can kind of get that from certain things he says and does. But at the same time, he was very open about, you know, I'm not going to shut the door on either team, no matter what I do on the 4th of July. Which is um, kind oh, of, go ahead. it's kind of interesting just in that I think that there's a lot of people out there and, you know, and kind of loosely, I guess we could at some point talk about the Mike Gundy situation in Stillwater and pulling offers. But I think there's some people out there that would say if he's not committed to you, why would you why would you take that commitment? And I think on the other side of that is kind of what you said in that this would be a major win for Alex Grinch and being able to build on top of something like that. I, I'm going to go back and look at it and try to do some research but the last time OU won a major defensive battle in Houston against Texas, that's been a while. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, that has, I mean, cause for so long, really, and so much of it was built off of Vince Young so long ago. Vince Young is such a folklore hero in Houston that guys in Houston just, I mean, didn't matter the situation, didn't matter why. They just went to Texas. They just followed him right on to Texas. He was like the Pied Piper. But now for Oklahoma to be able to do this for a kid that, you know, everybody thought was a dead set lock to Texas, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, and myself included, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, raining on anybody there. For Oklahoma to have done this and really, I mean, he's been to Texas twice in the last month. He's been to Texas twice since he went to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma is still, in my question, is probably a, a heavy favorite to get his commitment on 4th of July. And what we've said before is you'd rather have them and then lose them down the road because you can build up so much momentum 
as as opposed to ne- never getting them, never having that win, never letting those kids see OU as a player once again come defensive kids. Now, wh- Bob, I also wanted to say I, I didn't fully answer your question earlier. You asked, you know, maybe a guy that I didn't feel as good about. I, I don't know that I ever felt good about him, but I think we can finally close the door on Bryce Young in Oklahoma. I don't Ooh. think that's I, – I, I, like, just talking to some people, I got the impression that if he was going to walk away from Oklahoma – or excuse me, from USC, it would be Alabama. I, I, I didn't get the feeling at all that Oklahoma was even in play right now with him. Um, so I, that, that makes things real interesting. I mean, at what point do we start to entertain the idea that maybe they're not going to recruit a quarterback in this class? No, I think that it's just, it's a tough spot. It's a tough it sell is. for anybody considering that you got Spencer Rattler in already on campus and that 19 class was to come in 21 with Vandergriff. Uh, I would have to, I mean, and obviously Lincoln Riley's probably as good as anybody being able to sell something, but I mean, that is just a tough ask telling a kid, come in and be between these two guys when there's really like, Vandergriff, you can sell the idea, even if you do sit your freshman year, you're still going to have an opportunity to play, you know, two or three years probably there at might, the end of the day. There might be one quarterback in the entire country that would come in in that situation. And right now he's playing for the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. For, yeah. Playing for Browns. No, that's probably true. <laughs> now, you, I, you know what this, this feels like is Clemson 2017-2018 Hunter Johnson was supposed to be really good, mm-hmm. but you knew when Trevor Lawrence got to campus, Hunter Johnson was gone. So maybe you realize it doesn't matter who you get if Rattler and Vandegrift are as good as they're supposed to be. That 2020 guy well, is going to leave. Bob, some of us knew that Hunter Johnson was in trouble. Some of us doubted Trevor Lawrence. See, this is and, something uh... I've been meaning to bring up <laughs> since the beginning of the podcast, which this is only good news for OU fans is that in his first extended national seven-on-seven tournament, Brock Vandegriff stood up and was a star and did not wilt the way that Trevor Lawrence often did (laughs) in national competitions. So that only means that Brock Vandegriff is going to be twice the quarterback Trevor Lawrence is. You heard it here first. So what what he's saying is that when Vandegriff arrives, he needs to throw a pick to... Or at least toward Brendan Radley Hiles, just to set up the whole connection. There you go. Well, just in the Army game. Yeah, no, I mean, well, I mean, you know, we can't. I don't think. I don't think Bookie Bookie's eligibility is going to allow him to return to the Army game. But you know, maybe their first spring practice together. See, well, that work would book. Yeah, Bookie'd be a senior. He'd be going into his senior yeah. year. He'll be in the yeah. NFL okay. at that point. Well, that's true. I mean, not even that, the rednecks believe that, Bob. I'm telling you. Now, the rednecks have already sold him down the river. He can't possibly yeah. ever be a good player no, again because no. well, that's why you don't. I mean, <clears throat> that's why you don't believe in stars. That's why you don't believe in well, the recruiting rankings. That's why we don't trust. Well, them. I mean, clearly, exactly. if there if if a defense is bad, it can't have any good parts. Sign Jordan Evans, Tony Jefferson. You know, all these guys having success in the NFL that played on bad defenses man they've been replaying a lot of OU games lately on uh, Fox Sports Southwest it's just it's so sad where OU's defense is and where they used to I mean even the the 2010 defense like when Travis Lewis was a kid and Austin Box was out there and I mean Tony Jefferson and 
uh, I, I mean, even the corners like Jamel Fleming and Montre Hurst. I mean, like those, were those all guys, guys were superstars yeah. compared to what they're throwing out there now. You just said it, Josh. I mean, yeah. what's the the most common theme between all those guys? They all had more than a cup of coffee in the league. Yep. I mean, obviously, other than Austin, but I, I, sure. I think uh, Austin would have been in that conversation. I just w- so. I wish. I know. Not trying to call anybody out or or unveil anything, but I know you know Austin Box's family still heavily involved uh, with Sooner Scoop. But golly, it just I I think we all like Josh, you and I. That was kind of the height where we were both really out on the road a lot, seeing guys firsthand. Like man, he was just he was so good. He had so much potential. Austin is still probably my favorite video I ever got, and this was back with like. This was not an HD camera I was shooting with. It was bad. But uh, it's probably a, the one ma- that that Krabby bought at Best Buy with that's, his reward zone points. That's exactly right. That's exactly what it was. It was that little like handheld that like everybody has on their honeymoon. That little bitty <laughs> one with a little bitty flip screen. Uh, so he, uh, but you know, Austin's playing free safety. They're at Ponca City, who's terrible, but. Austin comes across and he the ball's thrown up. He literally and he's right in front of him. Like you couldn't draw this shot up any better. Is this the David Glidden ju- hit? Was that who it was? No, no, no. He just he jumps up, he grabs the ball, literally sticks one foot down and then falls out of bounds with the interception. Like but he like high points oh, it. Yeah, yeah. His foot comes down. It's just it's a perfect highlight. And did he and, only have one arm at that point? Was that when he was playing with the bad wing? No. No, no, he was good at that. That wasn't until playoffs when Enid just ran him to death and damn near killed him that year. That was, I will never forget. I was, I think I would, I would have been a freshman at OU, but I remember watching them play Jinx in that uh, state championship game. And I mean, Austin Box damn near, and that was a really good group of athletes at Enid at the time. They won the American Legion Baseball World Series yeah, yeah. Uh, that summer, but uh, I mean, he almost willed them to a state championship. Yeah. When and that was during the time when, if you were on the west side, you <laughs> even probably more now, more so than now than ever, uh, you had no chance to win the state championship, and they almost damn near pulled it off. They well, might have been right. the closest in that anybody's come, haven't they? I mean, mm-hmm. no, no, they they got North hammered pretty good in that game. Yeah, they got hammered pretty good PC in that North. state final. Uh, oh, North North had a great run in O two when they almost came back and beat that uh, pick roll. Uh, Jason Carter. Mm, there's, a, there's a phantom hold call uh, in the fourth quarter, oh. but we don't need to get into that. We don't need to this is supposed to be a positive uh, podcast. I believe the closest though was that Reggie Smith Santa Fe team. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't that like 17, 14 or something? It was real, real close. Yeah, that would have been my senior uh, year, I think. They, yeah. Because we got beat by Jinx in the semis, and they beat Union, I want to say. Yeah, I think that's right. That that Santa Fe team was really good. Um, but no, with, with um, what was I going to say? With Box, and I, I, I think I've told this story on the pod. I don't know. There was talk after the Army game his senior year. He played in it, and he wasn't bad, but he didn't do a lot. And so I got some notice from our rivals guys like, hey, you know, we're, we're throwing around the idea of moving Austin Box out of the 100. And I was like, I think that's crazy, guys. I think that's wrong. Well, I just happened to be having a conversation with Alan Trimble at Jinx. And I said, you know, what do you think about Austin Box? You know, I, I love the guy. And, we've, you know, he wasn't great in San Antonio. We've had some people kind of talking about maybe we've got him a little overrated. And he goes, Josh, that's one of the best high school football players I've ever played against. He, th- he thought Austin Box was incredible. And, 
you know, for a guy like Trimble who's sent multiple guys to the NFL, has played against great union teams, you know, all these things you can go through. For for Alan Trimble to say that about a high school senior that he just his team just got done beating the brakes off in a state championship game, I, I thought it was not only really classy, but really, you know, and kind of told you where Austin Box was as a player. And I want to say even oh this is but it this would have probably been like twelve years later when I went up there with you, Josh. And I remember we were all you were kind of relaying that story to me and uh Coach Trimble was standing there and I think he even said at the time, and this would have been probably I guess two thousand uh it, I I forget when it was, probably two thousand thirteen or fourteen or fifteen, like yeah. yeah. He to that day he even said that that still held up. He was still one of the best players he had played against you know there there's yep. there are two things in 2008 that could have changed everything one being demarco murray got hurt in the big 12 championship game but the other was remember someone from osu do- took a dive at austin's knee at the end of that game uh and made it to where he was done and they had to play the the semi-pro the, the balligan mike yeah. balligan oh. balligan by the way that before I, oh, you take a Mike Balligan right now, I before bet. Before Joe Mixon happened, like Mike Balligan was the biggest controversy that I think I ever covered. I mean, it was just madness. It was insane. What about Smoke Patterson? Well, he never got to camp. <laughs> he never made so, it. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. <laughs> that actually got to no, Norman. No, like that became like a, a just a major media mm-hmm. story frenzy. Like that At a bowl was, game kind of thing. Yeah, that was... Well, that was even before the bowl game because... But that was actually I, the next year, I think, in the fall. Okay. Because Balligan played in the championship. He was the start. I think he was the starting middle linebacker. And, you know, a lot of people kind of, like, because of, you know, like the semi-pro thing, and he was a dock worker and all that crap. Like, Balligan wasn't a bad player. No. Like, I mean, he wasn't great. He wasn't Reynolds. He wasn't box. But he was okay. He was a decent player. Yeah. I, he, he's better than some they've thrown out, you know, since him. Six tackles and uh, one tackle for loss in the national championship for Mike Balligan. I bet that's better than Kenneth Murray's numbers against Georgia a couple years ago. (laughs) Probably better than Alabama this year. I don't remember Kenneth Murray making very many tackles against Alabama, except against Jalen Hurts. Well, they're a power run team. Your mic is not going to do much in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, God, I a, hate that. I hate bagging on him because he's such a good kid, man. But boy, he's just got to play. I mean, yeah. come on, yeah. play, two, dude. Two, two big SEC moments did not go well for him. Um. Okay, so we got a little off track, which is fine. We're still talking OU football. Um. But yeah, I mean that, and I would say the other catastrophic, you know, and you know, Austin died. I mean, there's no comparison comparing lost careers, you know, to somebody else, but. Uh, I would say, Josh, you would probably agree with me. One of the guys that had a real shot at a nice pro career that just got derailed was probably Adrian Taylor. When he broke his leg in that Sun Bowl, that was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. Would you say that's the worst OU injury you've ever seen? In person, uh, yeah, no doubt. That was horrible. I still remember Gerald McCoy's reaction. I mean... And it was like, it was like what it must be like to see someone shot right in front of you. Because he uh, was just screaming at the sideline. That, and I can't remember what, 
like, did they initially think it was Beeler and it wasn't, or was that always Chase Beeler? I don't. Yeah, I think it was just a combo block that went bad. Like, okay. Okay. It, and I, and it was something like Stanford was kind of known for that. It was like, and he he just he got caught in in a bad way, and that was just what they do. They, I mean, they finished him. But yeah, I mean, that, I, there was never really any just complete, you know, dirty talk. You know, there wasn't yeah. any kind of, you know, they did anything dirty. It was just, I think everybody just thought that was so messed up. Like you couldn't plan to do that to somebody. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's the thing. Like it's one of those things that's kind of sad because I, I think people, even now, like, you know, guys in their early to mid twenties, they don't remember Adrian Taylor. He wasn't Gerald McCoy, but that guy would have had a seven or eight year NFL career. He was like he was Taylor Lynn Magruder. I mean, yeah. he was he was he was uh with more body. I mean, like Adrian was Remy A. O'Delli. I mean, he was yeah. that he was better than that. He was of that caliber. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, he might have been he might have been right there with Dusty if he had stayed healthy. I mean, he had he had tons mm-hmm. of athletic ability. Probably and, and he was that type of guy that he was big, but he wasn't carrying bad weight. So he could have right. got even bigger. Little, little trivia for everybody there. He is from the same high school as one current Sooner starter. Uh, Adrian Taylor was from, I want to say. What high school is he from? A Leaf? Is he from a Leaf? He was Dallas area. Dallas, Dallas. Fort Worth. That's a I can give question. it to you. With, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was from Mansfield. Oh, okay. okay. Him and Kennedy Brooks share a high school, uh-huh. huh? Yep. Yep. Did not know that. The more you know. Oh, he and he wasn't well known. He was one of those guys that emerged like spring back when this could happen. He wasn't really known until like the end of his junior season when people started going around for spring evaluations and Tennessee, Texas, OU, everybody starts offering him like crazy. So and you know, because back in those days, Jackie Ship closed on guys. <laughs> I was you took the shot before I could. Mm-hmm. Where is he fighting people at now in the locker room? Do he have a new job now? Yeah, uh, yeah he's at... Uh, is, is he, he at with Nevada Jay? with Jay Norvell? Is he, is he with Norvell? Yes, I believe so. Does, okay. I yeah. believe so. They, and they, I think they he's hired him. It was, in that this room. was his first year, I, th- I think. Or this is going to I be his first right, year. Yeah. Like They hired him this spring. He was at Arizona State. And it's like, when oh, they, we got... We got the Jackie yeah. Ship. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, God, this guy never recruits. He never <laughs> leaves his house. What's going on? Do you think Jay's upset? Like, because Jay can remember the good times. Do you remember when you landed McFarland? When are we going to do that again? Well, Jackie, probably. Coach, I got to be honest. We're not going to do that at Nevada. That, <laughs> that won't be happening. Well, yeah, it's a perfect job. He doesn't. There's no expectations to land. Sure. Well, actually, you know what? Jamarcus McFarland probably would have been a better hire. That you you read my mind. I was like, I think I'd have went the other way with that connection. I'd have hired Jamarcus. What's he at Abilene Christian or somewhere like that? Uh, is that no? Uh, it's uh Stephen F. Stephen F. Austin. Oh, Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Slowly making the way up. Okay, oh, so yeah. uh, I mean, I'm sure some people listen to the pod. You know, they're not always subscribers to the site, but you guys did. It was media day on Monday, um, and you've kind of talked about you know guys that OU is in good position with. Uh, you had a great interview with Brock Vandegrift. It was almost eight minutes long. Uh, you got one coming with his dad, but. Just kind of talking to guys on media day. Uh, was there anything that really stood out to you just about kids or their personality or, um, you know, 
and let me ask you this you can talk about Zach Evans and the no show there because that was something you talked about wanting to kind of get down you know to the bottom of what was going on with him enlisting Oklahoma uh, but also you know you mentioned that OU is out on guys are is OU out completely on Keely Ringo at this point is that the impression you got that was definitely the impression I got. I, you know, it was one of those things where I talked to a few people and I was like, you know, let's see if he even mentions OU. And he didn't, I mean, he probably did eight interviews and I think I talked to six of the guys that did it or did them and no one, you know, said he had mentioned Oklahoma. So I, I just think, you know, it's one of those deals where it's really tough to land a guy of that caliber when you have no track record of turning out NFL cornerbacks mm-hmm. and you're not playing good defense. Now, yeah. if, if it was a, if Ringo was there a year from now with the existing relationship he had with Grinch, maybe it's different. Maybe OU starts to turn that corner on defense and he says, man, they're going to play aggressive and they want to, you know, leave their corners out on islands. I'll get to showcase my talent, you know, and <laughs> which is just unbelievable. Um, like I said, I think everybody freaked out about the 40 and then kind of missed. Like, Ringo was good, not great yesterday. I didn't see a guy that, like, because when he ran that 40, if he goes out and just dominates in one-on-ones, dominates in seven-on-seven, I, I think he he would have had a very good chance to take over the number one spot. I think he could have done it. But I don't think he sees that like like you hoped he would. Um, now, I will say, you know, to kind of get back to what you, actually, you, know, what you were really talking about, Kerry, it wasn't a guy on media day that I really got a renewed perspective on, but it was a guy, the last guy we talked to, Jacoby Covington, and we did an interview kind of um, during a break yesterday, and I thought, oh, you might really have been slipping with him, but he was very clear. You know, I, I, I didn't, I left it, I didn't leave him a lot of wiggle room, and he didn't mind. Like, he walked right into it. No, I, I still like Oklahoma a lot. They're one of my absolute top teams. Uh, I'm going to try to get out there for a game. Uh, he admitted. I mean, he literally said it himself. I, I thought I was going to commit or I was about to commit or something along those lines at right after his official visit. And he said, you know, I talked to my coach and I talked to my mom and they, they wanted me just to see a few more things. And since then, he, you know, he went and visited Washington. He says he wants to take two more trips. Didn't really know who they're going to be. So to me, like, when you start adding that stuff up, you're like, okay, oh, you just needs to be patient with him, keep working him. And I, I, Washington's going to be interesting. He clearly liked it up there. But I, I think if he was picking right now, he'd pick Oklahoma. Okay. Um, let's just get to the big, big news that's out this week. Um, and, you know, just I, the board is having, ready to have a mini meltdown. Uh, oh, how good Brock Vandegrift was? Yeah, we can talk some more. No, I think I do wonder if we're going to get a um, uh, what do they call those? Um, a uh, golly, homicide? Not a cease and desist. Homicide? No. Um, Death threat? Restraining order? A restraining order by the Vandegrift family at some point because we're reaching Justice Hansen territory with with the stories and the pictures. I mean, like literally leading up to five star, every single story except for one was Brock Vandegrift. Kid is from Georgia, is not started his junior year of high school, and we've seen him three times already. We're we're way at well, we're not ahead of the Justice Hansen because he we were seeing him when he was a sophomore. Yeah. I mean well, like, game freshman. action. Yeah, as yeah. a freshman. Eddie and him kept ordering milkshakes and using the same straw. It was weird. It, it got uncomfortable. <laughs> 
Yeah, even more so now. <laughs> <laughs> but another guy that you've been tracking since he was a very young guy, Andrew Rame, um, there's all this smoke out there now that Georgia is uh, taking the lead from Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say this in the pod. I haven't put it on the board yet, oh but my it'll God. be. You got time. I know it'll be up before anybody hears from the pod. So everybody just calm down. He's saying Uh, my my work ethic is shit. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I'm saying he's got you got enough time. Unless it's like an hour long like dissertation here. God, it almost feels like it needs to be, but I'm not going to do that to myself. Um, I spoke to a source last night that thought if there was a third team, it would be Oklahoma. They think Georgia and Michigan have kind of gotten out in front now. That's one source, and I talk to others that tell me it's OU in Georgia. So what I've always gone with on things like this is when you talk to enough people and there's one school that's in everybody's mind, that usually tells you something. Like, I, I, if, I, if I think if, if we're doing this podcast and all of a sudden we had to stop because Andrew Rame tweets out an announcement, I think he'd pick Georgia right this minute. I really do. Um I think Michigan's involved. I do. I and I didn't think that 24 hours ago, but just talking to enough people, like they they made an impression. They did. Um, I've been in contact with Andrew. Uh, I've been in contact with people around Broken Arrow. I've talked to various sources. I I think this is surprising everyone. I I I. I there's only so much I can go into at this point, but there were very very clear reasons for Oklahoma to think they were in a good spot that, you know, there was a lot of communication between him and Biedenboe and Lincoln Riley. And you know, even, even, uh, Andrew's father has been involved in a lot of this. So I, I, and I still like, and I know people say, well, he's gone. Josh said he'd go to Georgia. If he picked right now, he's clearly torn. Like there, there is, you know, like I said, talking to the kid enough, he's, He's stressed right now. There's a lot on his plate. He's got all three schools coming at him really hard. Uh, they all know he's, he's ready to make a decision and they, you know, it may feel like whoever gets the last word is going to win. Now, some people have asked me about Oklahoma and an official visit. If that could happen, I, I think it could, but obviously it can't happen until the season. And I think he wants to make an announcement before then. Now, if he were to randomly show up on campus, that wouldn't stun me. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. I will. The best news for Oklahoma, Georgia and Michigan have fired their shots. It, it's If Oklahoma can withstand this and maybe he doesn't commit for a week or two, I think that's great for Oklahoma. The longer he goes without announcing right now, I think the better it is for Oklahoma. Well, and this is something that's just kind of because he was just at Oklahoma, what, like three weeks ago? Oh, he was there a week ago. A week ago. Was it today? Today? It was a Tomorrow? week ago, but he would never publicize that he's going back to Norman. He'd never put yep. the Twitter pictures of wearing the jersey and things like that. Because he's made so many, I guess, quote-unquote, secret trips to Norman. Yep. But when he's gone to these other schools, that's when we see the usual social media, hey, I'm I'm here, here's what I'm wearing, and all and all that stuff. Absolutely right. It's almost unfair to, I don't even know if it's fair to, to even ask this right now, Josh, and uh, you know, certainly tell me if, if it's not, but I, I think the general reaction to that would be, 
a how how could that have happened that Oklahoma would lose an in-state guy and and what does that mean that if they were to lose him and I mean you're kind of looking at a third straight year that you're letting arguably the best player in the state out yeah maybe more big picture than than just projecting on the rain it's hard to justify it away because like Josh talked about earlier in the pod, the offensive line position at Oklahoma strong is, as, is, as any as the any perception position. of that nationally is is sure. that is as much of a destination as anywhere in the country right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Well, you look at the rivals rankings, if you're gonna say Aaron Parks and or Anton Harrison is a backup option to Andrew Rain possibly going somewhere else, they're both ranked more highly than he is in the rivals rankings. Like now, I don't agree with those rankings i think andrew rame would have kicked ass and taken names at the rivals five star yesterday but he didn't come to camp so he didn't get to go to something like that that's fine i've got no problem with that i just think he's undervalued nationally that being said instantly when these kind of things happen people go and look for well what went wrong why what why is this why has this happened guys what what do you how could you blame like Bill Biedenboe, clearly a very good recruiter. <laughs> clearly, I mean, just won the award, uh, you know, for having the best offensive line in the country. Has taken this offensive line from a laughing stock to one of the best units year in and year out in the country, and just keeps recruiting big time guys from all over the, you know, wow, you can, I'm saying can, country a lot. You could probably count his losses in recruiting on one hand right now over the last three years. Absolutely. It's an in-state kid that grew up an OU fan. Like, everything is tailor-made for this to work. Like, I'm – and I can tell you that some Tulsa people that at times have been a little negative towards OU recruiting, they all want him to go to Oklahoma because they know they're like, Bill's the best in the business. Like, that's the guy we want him to go play play with. And – these are guys that are not rah-rah OU recruiting all the time. But, I mean, that's how respected he is. Even people that maybe have a little little beef with Oklahoma, they don't have beef with Bill because he's present, he's there, he does everything he needs to do. If he goes to Georgia or Michigan, he just went to Georgia or Michigan. Like, it's not for lack of effort or I, I can tell you yesterday Lincoln Riley was in contact with Rame's dad. I mean, having conversations about, you know, whatever. I don't, I'm not going to say I know all the ins and outs of that conversation, but OU is firing every bullet they have. And, you know, I'm a big timeline guy. You look, this isn't like OU came in late. Sooners were the first offer. He was an initial commitment for the 2020 class. They didn't get mad when he decided to back out. No uh, sub uh, uh, sub tweets or anything like that. No burning the bridges with Beatenbow or Riley or Cale Gundy or anything. They've handled this correctly. And it is weird because it's what I've talked to Lincoln about the last two springs is when you load up for the spring, the, for the spring game, you take your best shot there with some of these out-of-region kids do you worry it won't pay off when November, December come around? And it's the exact reason why maybe OU still has a chance, even if it doesn't work out. Because like you said, those other schools have taken their best shot. He's not going to go back to Athens or Ann Arbor, especially with Broken Arrow, primed to make another run at least toward winning another state championship. They'll definitely be in the hunt for it. So he's not going to be leaving broken arrow a lot during this season so maybe the, just the fact that OU still got one last major shot that it can take might end up being the, the difference where maybe like something like Chris Steele and some other guys that's actually hurt where they they already made their best play and all they could do was wait is there a date for the barbecue yet 
It's got to be the last week weekend July. I mean, just be based on the recruiting calendar. There's no other time you can do it because then you start going in high school practices, yeah. start up, and all that other stuff. So it'd it would be have to be the 27th, the the last Saturday, since they moved it from Friday to Saturday the last couple yeah. of years. 27th of July. I mean, if he wants to get it over, I, I I think your best chance might be to try get him postpone it, get him postpone it, get him here for the barbecue, and then try and close the deal there. Which I think he was at last year. I'm trying to remember, Josh. I think he was there, even though he'd already decommitted and things like that. I still think he was at the barbecue. I I can't remember. I can't he was remember. there sometime right around it. Like I know because it was like either the barbecue or a visit for like a fall practice was like his first trip to Norman since the decommitment. Like I remember that kind of being a story, but I can't remember if it was for the barbecue or just right around it. Well, that's good stuff. It's going to make everybody mad if you don't get it up before <laughs> the pod comes out. Now, I guess we got to talk about the eyes. Yeah, I mean, that goes right into the eyes. And what we talked about right before we started with the way that Annie Hansen phrased her quote tweet of Lincoln about, like, coming back to Oklahoma or something of that nature. Definitely have a lot of people. Darian Green Warren back? (laughs) A lot of people speculating about, like, does that mean it's an in-state kid? Is that aimed toward rain? Things like that. But... Yeah, the eyes came out once again. It does feel, and she even com- confirms it. She doesn't even realize, but she's confirming it's the 2020 class mm. by, by doing that. I, I admit, I don't know at this point who, who it is. We have pretty good leads on who we think it is, but as we record this at this moment, don't know exactly who it could be. But yeah, that, that would mean there's four out there, and when you're in this downtime, you know, dead period, you want to keep your brand out there, that's that's going to be the way to do it. Just maybe have one next couple weeks and just keep keep that ball rolling. Let people know Sooners are still out there. And then barbecue comes around and you strike again. Always keep that brand. The one thing about well, Lincoln is, it, Bob, we've kind of, Eddie, we've kind of learned this, like he doesn't like being, like he doesn't like going into a shell. Like mm-hmm. he... If there's like he had a media thing last month just to have a media thing because it had been a while since we died and now it's going to be, you know, Big 12 media days is coming up. So I maybe he doesn't feel the pressure to do anything right now, but he likes to keep his program front and center in the spotlight, in the news, on your mind. It's got to be. It's got that's one huge change that he has made is always, you know, whether it was the Jordan, visible. Yeah, the Jordan brand or what, whatever he can do to make sure the OU name gets out there on a national stage, not only for, you know, just for people to be talking Sooners in terms of national media, for recruits to constantly see the crimson and cream. I mean, that's obviously been a big-time goal for him. I mean, he liked one of our posts the other day, or yesterday, from uh, the the five-star, which he rarely does that stuff. So, I mean, it's obvious he, you know, he, he... he probably enjoys the fact that Brock Vandegrift has been getting so much pub and Oklahoma oh, conversely. Yeah. For a variety of reasons. Yeah. Uh, now I will say the advantage of us being able to literally own, we, we don't know who those eyes are right yet. We, we haven't sorted out. We will get it figured out, but we don't know at this moment we can make a guess because we're not, there's, there's no betrayal there. That's just, it's just pure speculation. I, 
I think Bob and I are about on the same page on this. I, if I was going to lay a guess on the eyes right now, I think Jalen Conyers is a pretty... The tight end. Yeah, the yeah. tight end from Groover, Texas. Just, I think that's a pretty good place to start. Just came off his official visit to the Buckeyes while he was at OU the week before. So it feels like he made all his visits. He's seen what he needs to see. Because, I mean, that's what this month is starting to become. All these kids want to make their visits in May and June, and then commitment bonanza in July because they're all done with it. Okay, here you want yeah. my guess? Yeah, let's hear it. This is based on this is okay. This is the only thing that feels like it. It can. I don't know if there's any Conyers connection to Oklahoma, but I do know there's another tight end out there that had an Oklahoma connection. What if this is a flip of Drew Sanders? That that is. I mean, that's a that's a prediction. That's uh, that's not. You need a forecast that that one. That's more if like you do that, if, pulling if you, something you, out of my ass. Yeah, like, forecast you, that. If you predict that, we need to head straight to Seven uh, Eleven on the corner to grab some uh, lottery some tickets for tonight. In, if, if that Eleven doesn't sell them. If that were the case, and all Lincoln did was just normalize, like not no. Oh, he would have to dig it <laughs> in. There yeah. were no other words, just normal eyes, and it was Drew Sanders. That would be a story. He need to have the eyes and like elephants, just like hundreds yes. of elephants. <laughs> I don't know what would be the what would be the Mike Stoops emoji. <laughs> Just explosions and fires and bombs. He could get, he could use the gif that I have of Mike trying to call the timeout from the press box. Oh my God. That's like one of my favorite gifs in the world. Like he's like screaming it. And you can tell he's trying to get it. And I'm like, Mike, you're a hundred yards above the field, dude. Nobody can see you. If I was Mike Stoops, I'd I'd just retweet Ruffin McNeil River Rat stuff if that happened. Oh, that oh, that'd be amazing. Hey, I, I'm not closing the door that Mike Stoops is just going to be the inside mole in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> He's blowing it up. Blow that thing up <laughs> like from the inside out. Redeem himself. That's his, yes, that's his redeem, redeeming quality to Oklahoma fans. He's is, a mole. He's a, he's, a, he's a spy. He's been sent down there. This is a big orchestrated plan. One year with the tide, he blows it all up, and then he never goes back what, into Maybe coaching. that's why Bob left to take the NFL job. Like, he knew that this is a long he's con. He's been spewing for a long time. Yeah. And then... And then Bob will get back into college football coaching once it's been cleaned up. And, and then Venables will come and say, Aha! Clemson's cheating too! And I have proof! Oh, wow. Oh, you have I mean, another direction! This is the of long calls. Long call. I don't know if Dabo would let that happen. I think he's too calculated. I think Dabo would... would he would... Brent's body hit, would disappear. The hit would come yeah. for Brent. Dabo, I, I agree entirely with Eddie that I think there is a chance there are some underworld mafia connections to Dabo. Like, I think he's hitting them really well, but I, I could see that connection made for no, sure. Just, I mean, just last month he was comparing himself to Osama bin Laden. So, mm. I mean, yeah, there's definitely something weird going on. La Cosa Nostra. Yeah, there's one thing that football coaches, the, their shelf life is expiring. They're just all crazy. That's I, I can go more with that. They're more. They're more they insane. are all insane. Like they're just crazy. I mean, there's going to have to be this wave of Lincoln Rileys to to come around eventually. Well, but think, you're all gonna you're gonna have the Gary Pattersons out there forever. Think about this Andrew Rame situation. If you were a Bill Bedenboe, wouldn't you be a little nuts? Man. Like, I, look at what I've done. I'm in your home state. We play in the playoffs every year. 
we've got an offense that sends guys to the NFL. We have first rounders all, all, almost every year. We were your first offer. We've recruited you hard forever. We took it on the chin when you decommitted. We've we've told you it's cool if you take. I mean, at every turn, OU has allowed for Andrew Rame, and then and and everything about OU seems to make sense for Andrew Rame, and he may go elsewhere. Yeah. Like that make me crazy too. Well, that's kind of what I told you. I think uh, yesterday during the camp was just the fact that it almost seems like it's a growing situation that. He's looking for every opportunity not to go to OU. And sometimes that just that's the way it happens. And I think that yep. obviously it's going to be a tough pill to swallow if, if that's what happens for Oklahoma uh, and for Oklahoma fans. But, I mean, it kind of is what it is. I, I would almost think that you're calling Creed and saying, hey, call your buddy. Call your offensive line brethren from the state of Oklahoma. Uh, get Creed. Get Bray. Hell, get Brock yeah. Vandergriff. I mean, and, I mean, we saw that little yeah, that exchange, exchange when he asked him Twitter. to follow him back, and I mean, it's it's turning into a drama. It's funny that these kids almost want to avoid the drama, so they create a bunch more drama. If that makes sense, I I think the main thing is kids don't understand how all this works. So well, and just, I, everything that they do is being multiplied kids. by yeah. a billion these days. So. I don't want to get, like I said, I want to be real careful of what I say of what Andrew said. And I, I should also own that if I was, if I would have been a recruit as a high school guy, I would have been a very similar storyline to what I just said of Andrew Rame. Grew up an OU fan, blah, blah, blah. All I wanted to do was leave the state. That's all I wanted to do. So, like, that's, that's no indictment on him. That's just when things logically should make sense, sometimes they don't. That'll drive you nuts, especially in recruiting when it's so important to do well in your own state but I, I do want to say talking to him over the last few days you can tell like it's a total culture shock for him that everybody's paying attention to what he's doing like he he, he hasn't adjusted to that's part of his life yet like and i and i get it all these kids they come to that point where they're like wow everyone every time i go somewhere or do something or say anything it, it comes back to up, me yeah. Yep, exactly. And that's, that's that's a learning process for all these guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, these, these guys are so coached up when they get to college. It's because they don't know that stuff. But I don't know. I, I think kids are more, you know, when we talk to them now, I think they're more, they're, they're more guarded just on a personal level than they've ever been. But they're still, they still... What's weird is kids are kind of almost more trusting than they used to be, and they shouldn't be. I think because they're so used to sharing everything socially. Yeah. Like, I, you know, tell everybody my... They may not tell you what girl they're talking about, but everybody knows they're talking about some girl that dumped them or they like or whatever it may be. So with us, they're like, well, yeah, whatever. What, you want to talk about my colleges? Yeah, I like that school a lot. So you're right. Like, they are... It's harder to feel like you know them, but they're still more willing to share aspects of things um how was the uh how was the the by the way we should say big thanks to uh, rivals and john tallman and everybody uh you know it was just they treated us fantastic i don't know why uh but we got put up in the uh we can say where it was now because nobody can call the rooms uh the ritz carlton which i had never stayed in a place that swanky before did you go down and get like the breakfast in the morning eddie Mm -mm. you just got room service no, I never did. Shit, what was that charge for then? I got a couple of room services. Okay. I got some, that makes I sense. I got breakfast each morning. 
Yeah. See, we just killed. We just killed Josh. We killed him because he charged the room, sir. No, I never went down there. I, in fact, I. It was good, man. Slept that, in a little bit. That's kind of nice. Play. Yeah, that, yeah, Josh. That, I kept texting Eddie like, "You up?" Oh, I was up. I just had gone back to sleep. Any hangovers? <laughs> no, not too bad. <laughs> Got there too late on Sunday to really. Atlanta. Tie went on. Yep. It does appear that Josh is flaking out on us a little bit, so I think maybe we're just about done here. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, Josh, any kind of last words? You look good now. Uh, any last words about Atlanta that uh, you, you or Eddie even that uh, you really hadn't gotten off your chest or talked too much about? I don't. I don't think that. Well, I mean, go ahead, Josh. I, I was just going to say the the city of Atlanta closes its bars entirely too early. That's a problem. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. But as a far big as city the, like that, yeah, like almost everything was closed at midnight. It, it was wild. Um, but I, I will say, as far as the recruiting side of things, um, just talking to a lot of people. I I think when you talk to the like, you know, I talked to Sam Spiegelman. I talked to uh, Josh Himmel. Talked to guys, you know, like Adam Friedman in the Mid Atlantic, uh, Chad Simmons, Rob Cassidy guys that are in areas that Oklahoma recruits frequently I know sometimes OU fans uh, you know I think they were starting to feel like it was about to be good and now with the Andrew Rain thing they're all kind of shaken up again there are good days ahead like when when I when I talk to these guys that talk to all these recruits from these regions Oklahoma has a lot of positive buzz right now like it sometimes it takes more time sometimes it doesn't go OU's way but more than any time in years past, OU consistently is a contender with big time guys all over the country. So, like, just just be patient with these things. Like, don't if Andrew Rame does pick Georgia, does pick Michigan, it doesn't mean this class is falling apart. It doesn't mean anything like that. Like, he just went somewhere else. If there's any position where I don't think you have to worry about OU continuing to field good players, it's the offensive line. They're going to be fine. It stinks to lose Rame if that's what happens, but. It's survivable. Yeah, I and I'd kind of just echo that saying that, uh, you know, I remember going to Atlanta for the first time and we would talk to some of those national guys and uh, you, they talked about Oklahoma, but there wasn't, it wasn't a tone of I'm taking them seriously. It was more of a, yeah, it's Oklahoma. I mean, they're, they're known for playing really good football and yeah, maybe I'd like to be a part of that, but Nowadays, you talk to to guys, whether it be Jacoby Covington or you know, hell, getting a, a the number one commit a commitment from the number one player in the twenty twenty one class. Uh, it just has a different vibe. You can take it more seriously, and you know that's probably a credit to basically what Lincoln Riley's built over the last couple of years and the national. Uh, I guess the just kind of the the face of what they are nationally. I, I think that there's a lot more people that, from a national perspective. Uh, appreciate what Lincoln Riley is trying to build at Oklahoma. So I, I think that it's a complete 180 from what we saw, uh, you know, in that those first couple of years in Atlanta or Chicago even, uh, and that was with Joe Mixon yeah. in that group. So it's uh, they're 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 a national player in the recruiting scene. Are they where Georgia and Alabama are right now? Probably not, but they're certainly trying to knock on that door, and they're closer than ever. And I think the one thing, guys, I, that you have to look at is, you know, you start in the, the Rivals five-star era, 2012. Uh, you know, you had Stan Von Taylor and mm -hmm. DJ Ward that were there, but they weren't high, you know, you know, guys that were really in consideration 
for five-star status. You end up getting Atari Bird and LJ Moore who don't pan out. But that was a, an era that OU was really trying to figure out. Like, they were falling behind. Um, their coaches were getting older. They were, you know, out of touch. Like, that was when Stoops would refuse to even do Twitter in those days. Like, there's this really cavernous divide that they've bridged uh, over the last, I'd say, three years that has them at the fore, not just, you know, uh, catching up to everyone, but at the forefront in a lot of areas uh, that Lincoln Riley has done. And, and you know, the support staff has to get a lot of credit there and Drew Hill and those guys. Um, but, yeah, this is also a group, you know, of kids that has basically grown up seeing OU play in the college football playoff three sure. out of four years. So yeah. there's a, 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 a perception, a cachet, whatever you want to call it, uh, of the OU football program that hasn't been there. And you got to give Lincoln Riley and his staff a, a, a lot of credit because they're in position to capitalize and that like they weren't before he took over as head coach. So that's yeah, there's, I'm, there's no, there's no there doubt about that. I mean, it, I've left you speechless. No, I just, we're good. It's a good place to end it. Uh, I, I think that there are, you know, as long as, it's been never more apparent as long as Lincoln Riley's around. Uh, I think that everything is headed in the right direction, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. That's not a news to anybody, but yeah, it was kind of weird. It's not even more a lot of offensive skill players at the five star this year. It's insane. It's like it, it was. It was really crazy, especially when they have a quarterback there. So we shall see. And by the way, uh, I was thinking about this too while you were talking about that. Um, like everybody looks at like compares this year to last year like Jaden Hazelwood came so late and Buki came so late like those five stars came in at the end which never happens in Oklahoma uh and then Trajan Bridges became a five star I mean he was long committed but not really considered that you know basically Theo Weezen you had RJ Henderson um and Rattler and and then you had Rattler but like all those guys yeah it doesn't have the star power yet but it's still a damn good haul that it's going to end up being pulled in here and then we'll see as long as they hold on to the defensive guys they're getting better on the defensive end and then 2021 now you have that same formula that you had two years ago you got your quarterback uh now you can start going after the receivers and the running backs and all that and the offensive linemen um even though i know josh you talked to vandergriff and he said he's not really a rah-rah guy uh like that but lincoln riley will certainly find ways to sell that to, to kids Oh, there's no question. I mean, like Vandergrift said in that interview, Lincoln sent me a list of guys they want me to talk to. <laughs> so, like, I, I, like, it's not natural to him. It's not something like he's not overly effusive or a guy that's real active on social media. But I'll be shocked if he. I mean, because he he's a smart kid. He knows that if he wants to win all the stuff he wants to win, you got to have the talent around you, and he's the kind of guy that carries enough weight. To, to help with those kind of things. Well, and it, it also helps if you get, you know, uh, a, a couple of running backs and some receivers uh, that are, you know, have those type of personalities. And, and then that can kind of carry you as a group to go after other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, an OU has already offered, uh, you know, a friend of his that we mentioned in the scoop last week. Um, I believe it's Nixon, Michael Nixon. I, I'm going to say that wrong. So, um, but yeah, I mean, so. There are guys he's connected to, and, and as he goes around, like I said, and more people know who he is, that's, and, you know, what he did yesterday is only going to help that as more guys kind of take notice of him and 
think, well, yeah, I could go play with that dude. He's, you know, winning games and delivering strikes all over the field. All right, uh, that's going to do it uh, for this edition of the uh, Unofficial 40 Podcast. Thanks to Josh and Eddie uh, for all your traveling, all your hard work. Um, I don't know, thanks to myself for, you know, one day of travel. It paid off when I was walking home from the restaurant last night and I saw a child smoking a cigarette in Atlanta. (laughs) I saw that. It was a legitimate child. Like, how young? I swear to God, this, this child was no more than 13 years old. And he was with his mom. Mm. Like they were sharing a cigarette. <laughs> and it wasn't like a small person or like this was Wouldn't a child. see that happening in This San was Francisco. a child. No, they'd be shooting heroin together. <laughs> and on that note. So I've been really shook by that. As I said, I've been propositioned by an elderly hooker on the streets of Alabama before. Alabama or, or Atlanta? Arkansas, Arkansas. Oh, Arkansas? No, Georgia. Al- Jesus. Atlanta. Whoa. Starts with an A. I'm thinking of it starts everything else besides Atlanta. Yeah. It starts with an A. Think of all the hick redneck places where granny hookers live. I'm sure. A town. Ludacris had a bunch to say about that place, didn't he? Those are his peoples. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Back here for another edition of the Unofficial 40 on SoonerScoop.com podcasts.